Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast. We'd like to thank you for taking a few moments out of your day to listen to what God is doing here in Reynoldsburg, Ohio. We hope today's message will be encouraging and uplifting to you. To learn more about Simple Church, maybe you'd like to be our guest for a service, please visit our website at www.simplechurchohio.com. There you'll find more information about us, location, service times, and even online giving opportunities. And now, here's today's message. So today we are going to be talking about heaven, and uh, I think this is an awesome topic to jump into, whether you're a new baby Christian or you've been around for a while, because I think our minds kind of get cluttered with what heaven is actually going to be. And so I'm going to clarify some things today. And, and this is one of those encouraging messages as I'm going through my notes. And, and I, you know, I get up on Sunday mornings and I kind of preach it to myself. I sit at my desk and I preach it to myself and make sure I don't sound like an idiot, which doesn't always usually work. I mean, it doesn't always work. Sometimes I still sound like an idiot like I did just then. Uh, but uh, but I, I preach it to myself and I just found myself so encouraged as I was going through the notes and reading them. I was getting excited because when you start talking about heaven and all that God has planned for us, it made me feel it made me feel awesome inside. It made me feel great. It's like, man, I have so much to look forward to. There is nothing here on earth that compares with what God has planned for us in heaven, right? And so it's a really, really uh, cool topic to talk about today. So I hope that this message is encouraging to you. I hope it's uplifting to you. And I hope you, you have the opportunity, like I have, over the past week and a half or so, as I've, I've gone through these notes and prepared this sermon, to, to put my mind on things that are, are heavenly instead of earthly, you know? And so, uh, so today, if you need a Bible, we would love to give you a Bible. Do we have Bibles back there, gentlemen? If you need a Bible, we would love to gift you with a Bible uh, so that you can take it home, write your name in it, highlight, underline, make notes, whatever you'd like to do, we would love to give you one. So if you need one, our service host will get you one, okay? Uh, so we, since we are going through heaven, and I have to say this, that in the scriptures in 1 Corinthians 2, 9, it says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who loved him. And since no eye has really seen it, I can't really give you a firsthand account. Now, I can talk to you about God's love and how I've experienced it and how I've seen it active in other people's lives. But when I go to talk about the subject of heaven, I've actually never seen it. And I don't know anybody alive who actually has. Now, there's a, a movie out called um, Heaven is for Real. Has anybody seen this movie? Anybody, hand, show of hands out there? Anybody seen it? So just a few. Okay, all right. So, so apparently this movie is about a kid who has a... Uh, does he have a near-death experience or a hospital experience of some sort? And he, when he kind of wakes up, he knows a lot of information about the family's uh, lost loved ones. And there's lots of details about Jesus that he gives. It's a very touching story. I, I haven't personally seen the movie, but I, I've, I've read the write-up, and I understand what the movie is all about. And so we have these experiences out there. I read books growing up about, of a preacher named Jesse Duplantis who went to heaven. And I read that. And you read their, his account of it and the man's still alive and so but we but what I know is that while they have, may have had a vision of heaven they may have seen parts of it the scripture is clear that, is that no eye has seen all that God has for us and so since I have no firsthand accounts to give you all we're going to be going through a lot of scriptures so just hang with me if you're somebody who likes to flip along in your bible verses the verses will be up here just to save you because I'm going to give you tons of them today okay so we're going to dive into this um and there's there's been the Again, the, the subject of heaven is really important because a lot of movies, stories, and songs uh, are about heaven, and they have a tendency to lead us into beliefs about, about heaven that just aren't true, right? And, uh, and I realize, you know, in this room, we're all over the map regarding our spiritual journeys. Like, there's some of us that have been saved for a long time, some of us that have known Jesus for a minute, minute 
and some of us that, that have not even crossed that line of faith yet. I'm, I'm aware of that. that. You're saying, you know, I'm just checking out Jesus and his claims, and I'm not even sure if it's real yet. And so you're not even sure if heaven is real yet. And you're like, I hope it's real. Like, I hope there's an afterlife. I hope there's a heaven, and I hope I'm going there. Well, lock in today, and, and we'll, we'll dive into this so, so, so that you understand what all heaven is, uh, entails for you and that you'll be ready to go there. So uh, today, when I talk about heaven, because all we're going to have today is word pictures. I don't have any pictures of heaven. I could show you pictures, but I don't think they really compare to what heaven is going to look like when we get there, right? And so I, I, I was tempted. I was tempted to find pictures of some of the stones. I was tempted to find pictures of, of what a gold street might look like, but I can't even imagine what all that would look like. And so as I go through this today, as I read some of the scriptures to you, I want to challenge you to, to just kind of maybe close your eyes if you want to. Now, don't fall asleep, but, you know, you can close your eyes for a minute and maybe try to imagine it. Some of you say, well, I'm not that creative. I, I know you're not, but if you were... What, what would you imagine that heaven looks like as I go through some of these verses? So, so try to lock in with me and, and understand what these word pictures are, are, are painting, okay? Uh, and to be clear, there's lots of things that we don't know about heaven, but what we do know gives us hope and expectant joy, amen? So, so let's dive into it. So Revelations 21, 1 through 4, this is John, and he says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, and for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. Doesn't that sound amazing? That's so much to wrap your brain around. There's so much there to do what we call, like when you find something that's heavy like that, just to chew on it for a little bit and go, wow, that's all really for me? That's all what we're really headed for? That's an awesome thing when you think about even just one of those, one of those lines, the last verse, or the last line in that verse, there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. Doesn't that sound amazing? I mean, if you think about the things that have caused you to cry and the things that have hurt you in your life and you're like, none of those things will be there, that's a blessing. That's a wonderful thing. That's something to be excited about. <clears throat> Unfortunately, I think that we all think of heaven a little different, and I think he, here's why. Uh, in Mark Twain's famous story um, about Huck Finn, there's a character named Miss Watson who is this, you know, better than you kind of Christian, right? And I think this is, this is why we have a different image of heaven because these, the, the Christians like her exist. And, and I'm going to read it to you exactly as she talks to uh, Huck about heaven. She said, she was going to live so as to go to the good place. I made up my mind I shouldn't try for it. But I never said so, because it would only make trouble and wouldn't do no good. Now she had got a start, and she went on and told me all, the, all about the good place. She said all a body would have to do there was to go around all day long with a harp and sing forever and ever. <laughs> So I didn't think much of it, but I never said so. I asked her if she reckoned Tom Sawyer would go there, and she said, not by a considerable sight. I was glad about that because I wanted him and me to be together. <laughs> now look, how many of you guys know a Christian like this? Don't, don't point any fingers. I don't want any fingers pointing. But how many of you guys know somebody like this? They're like, I'm going to do all the good things that I can do, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that, and that's how I'm going to get into heaven. You know people like that, right? See, I, I'm going to do good and karma. Karma's going to come and it's going it's to erase all the bad stuff and karma's going to get me into heaven. It's simply not true. 
But there, there are Christians that believe this, right? And then they paint a picture of heaven like it's going to be this boring thing. Like, honestly, I don't know how to play a harp. I don't think I want to play a harp. I don't think I would look sexy playing a harp. You know what I'm saying? I'm just, I, I just don't. I don't, want to, I don't want to. And the idea of singing forever to me just doesn't sound awesome. Any guys think singing forever sounds awesome? Nah, okay, I didn't think so. And so we paint this picture that, of heaven like it's going to be this really boring place. And it's just not. Now, the other thing, I'm, this is not in my notes, but I'm, I'm going to challenge you this. The other thing is, is, is that a Christian like her does, she decides to give a final destination to people. No, I don't think, I don't think Tom Sawyer is going to be there or Huck Finn is going to be there. Let me tell you something. That is incredibly dangerous. Warning, stay off of this path. You are not a judge and you are nobody's judge. Amen. Nobody's judge. So do not judge people. Do n- Look, their destination or where they're at today is not where they're going to be at tomorrow. So how dare you? Take a position. Don't do it. It's dangerous, and it turns people away from Jesus. Amen? Amen? There's no love in that. All right, sorry, that wasn't in my notes, but I got all boopy bumplies and stuff all over my hair standing up. I get excited. Don't do it. But I think this image is what, is what turns people away, right? It, and it makes stories about hell. It portrays, you know, the, the stories and songs that we hear about hell. is like it's going to be a party, right? Like it's going to be an awesome, I'm on a Right? We're like, yeah, turn that up. That's my jam. How many of you guys love that song? I understand. It's okay. I get it. We're excited about that because the idea of going to hell is like, yeah, it's going to be a party. It's totally not true. This is what the enemy does. It makes heaven look boring and hell look awesome. So the subject of talking about heaven is so important because we need to understand what's actually going to be there and why it's so much better than the party that everybody thinks is happening in hell. All right. Now, when we get into the scripture, heaven is mentioned over 500 times in the Bible. And it's not always talking about God's realm, right? The the first place it's talking about is just the sky. That's the heavens. And then it goes into the celestial heavens. That's the second heaven. And then the third heaven is God's realm, right? That's the heaven that we're talking about today. So so why spend time talking about about heaven? Well, I think it's been said that some Christians are so heavenly minded that they're no earthly good. Have you ever heard that before? I heard that all growing up, and these are Christians that are like, they're so in their Bible, they just refuse things, they're like, nope, I'm not sick, Jesus has healed me. <laughs> you know, they're like, they're those ones, they, they don't want to admit they're sick, they don't want to say there's anything wrong, like, Jesus has saved me, I'm good, I'm good, and you're like, no, you're not, no, you're not, they're so heavenly minded that they're, they're no use on earth, right? But I would say, I would say that as I've grown up, and as I've gotten, gotten more into the last year of being a pastor, sometimes I find that, that there's more believers that are so earthly minded that they're no heavenly good. Amen. And I think that's a horrible thing. I think that's a shame. Yeah. And so Colossians 3, 2 says, set your mind on things above, not on the things that are on earth. Now you may say, well, that just means set things that are above board or, or above reproach. No, that's not, that's not what it's saying here because the next part of it says, not on the things that are on earth. In other words, don't set your mind on the things that are here. There, there's danger in that. I mean, the American dream is what? It's, it's to get, it's to get a big house, it's to get two cars or three cars or classic cars or whatever it is. It's all about consumption, right? It's to get and enjoy more. And so we set our minds, we set our hearts on getting and obtaining here on this earth. And we don't think anything about eternity. We think very little about it because we just, it's what's here. It's, it's part of our culture. It's what we're taught to do. Everything says to get, to consume me. It's all about me. Instead of being about other people. And so the Apostle John, he realizes this, and he recognized it, and he exhorted believers to be mindful that the world is fatally flawed. 
and incapable of providing ultimate satisfaction to the believer. Look what he says in 1 John 2, 15 through 17. He says, do not love, and by the way, this is a really hard verse. This is, you're not going to like this, okay? You're going to feel like hit over the head, all right? It says, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. God, that's so challenging. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. In other words, he's letting you know, if you're in love with this world, you cannot have love for the Father. Love for the Father entails being, being willing to empty of yourself, being selfless, not selfish, not giving in to the lust of your flesh. What's the lust of your flesh? Well, I don't know, eating, drinking, consuming, experiences, lust of the eyes. I want to see this. That's why YouTube and Facebook and everything is so popular because we just want to see more. There's more and more people walking around like this. Why? Well, the lust of the eyes, we just want to see. We want to know. We're nosy. That's what we're doing. We're creeping on people's walls. We want to see all the time. It's the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. And if those are the things that you are pursuing, if those are the things that you're constantly giving into, then you cannot be in love with God. You just can't. And it just simply says that whoever does the will of God lives forever. So if you're not chasing God and you're chasing this world, that, just, that, that thing is your judge, not me. That verse is your judge and says, hey, you'll live forever if you chase after God. C.S. Lewis said, has this world been so kind to you that you should leave with regret? There are better things ahead than any we leave behind. Amen. So we have to keep our, eye, our eyes and our mind on what's to come and not what's here. What, not what we're missing out on. Not that we don't have the newest Air Jordans or the newest LeBron James jersey from Cleveland. Some of you guys are having to buy new ones this weekend. I understand. <laughs> I have so many jokes, I'm just going to leave them there. But you don't have to have that. You don't have to chase after that. You need to pursue Christ. So what is it about heaven? Well, let me tell you a few things about heaven. Here's a few qualities of heaven. Heaven's a real place. It is a very, very real place. In John 14, 2 through 3, it says, In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you may also be where I am. What is Jesus saying? He's saying, I'm going to prepare a place. I think audio adrenaline uh, kind of summed up this whole verse in a song they called Big House. Yeah, it's a big, big house with lots and lots of rooms. A big, big table with lots and lots of food. A big, big yard where we can play football. A big, big house. It's my house. Yeah, it's all rock and roll today, guys. Woo! That's where we live. But I get excited when I think about that. Big house, get my own mansion. I don't care if I have my own mansion. I just want to be where the cool people are. Right? I want to be where you guys are. I want to hang out with you. I want to be where Jesus is. I like to eat. I'm not going to lie. So the idea of a lot of food, that sounds great to me. I'm assuming with a glorified heavenly body that I will not gain an inch. I'm just saying. It's supposed to be perfect up there. You know what I mean? No calories. We won't even have to have the nutrition labels. Praise you, Jesus. Sorry, that was, my, that was my little Pentecostal dance. I'm done. <laughs> I 
So what will heaven be like? Well, look, we're looking, we have so much to look forward to, the splendor of heaven, right? The splendor of heaven. Heaven's going to be a glorious place, not just because of what is there, but because of what is not there. There are 11 things that won't be there. The sea, I don't understand it, but there's not going to be a body of water anywhere in heaven. There's no sin. There's no death. There's no mourning, no crying, no pain. Night, there's no temple or church. There's no curse, sun or moon. The main thing that we are going to experience in heaven and the thing that is going to be splendid about it is that the glory of God is going to be there. When we look at verses where guys have experienced the glory of God on this earth in a physical body, they have fallen to their face. They've described it as hearing roars of thunder and crashing waves and, and falling to their face and saying, I am an unclean man because that's how beautiful and awesome the presence of God is. Moses asked, hey, can I see you? And God said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to put you in a rock. I'm going to hide you there. And then I'm going to cover you. And then I'm going to let you see my backside. That's it. What? He had to protect him. We can't even in our physical form experience what the glory of God is like. And then Moses comes down from the mountain and his face is shining for like a ridiculous amount of time because he saw God's backside kind of blocked a little bit. I don't understand all that, but it's, it's, I'm just, it's in the Bible. It's there. It's what happened. And so I look forward to experiencing the glory of God, the sights of heaven. What are we going to see? Well, there's a new city and a new Jerusalem. Now, look, we're not talking about a city with shag carpet and cinder block. You know what I'm saying? It's not going to be like that. And I'm hoping, it's not scriptural, but I'm hoping that there will be a Starbucks there, at least. <laughs> but the walls, what we, do, what we do know about the walls is that they're 216 feet thick and that they are 1,500 miles high. 1,500 miles high. They have 12 foundational stones on which are written the name of the 12 apostles. And the walls are made of jasper. And the foundation stones of the wall are inlaid with 12 different types of precious gems. There's gates, 12, three on each side. There's, so there's four sides. Heaven's, but the new Jerusalem is supposed to be like a, a cube thing. It's, it's 1,400 miles this way, that way, up, all around. It's 1,400 miles. Twelve gates, three on each side, and an angel guards each gate. The names of the twelve tribes of Israel are written on each one of the gates, and each of the gates is made from a single pearl. Just one. Just one. You know, pearls are usually this big. What kind of clam is making a pearl that is big enough to be carved down into a gate? Just one. Good Lord. There must be some monstrous beasts up in heaven that we don't even know about. You know what I'm saying? And so, yeah, maybe it's a dinosaur. I don't know. I don't know. But the gates never close at the end of the day because there is no night and nothing evil will be allowed to enter. The city is also going to be made of pure gold. Gold that is so pure it's clear. The roads will be paved and made with the same kind of gold that is clear as glass. And the city has no need of sun or moon for the glory of, of God illuminates the city and the Lamb, Jesus, is the light. Can you imagine that for a second? What that's going to look like? Now, I don't know if anybody's afraid of heights, but if the streets are clear and made of glass and you're looking down and everything, that might, that might trip you out a little bit. But just imagine that. And then the sheer size of heaven, 1,400 miles squared. Like, look, let me give you some, let me, let me break it down and just go local here, okay? 1,400 miles squared is approximately 124 times the size of Reynoldsburg, right? If you were to drive 1,400 miles at 60 miles an hour, it would take you nearly 24 hours to get to the other side. Now, some of y'all have been crazy enough to drive like 16, 18 hours this summer to go down south or go west or wherever you're going, and you're thinking a 24-hour drive does not sound appealing to you at all. So 
I'm not saying do it. I was just giving you an, an example. <laughs> but heaven is huge. And, uh, and, so, and so not only is heaven big, but heaven in, is also not only is it a real place, but it's a right place. Look at Revelation 21.4. It says, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. Look, I, I read this verse and I really struggle with it. And, and, I'll, and I'll be honest with you and tell you why. Because I think about loved ones in my life. I think about friends in my life that I've lost, that I know are we're walking with Jesus. And I, and I know that the scripture is clear that if you haven't accepted Christ, I know people that have blatantly rejected him and passed into eternity. And so according to the word of God, not that I'm their judge, according to the word of God, those that have rejected Christ have an eternity that is not in heaven. And that makes me sad. That breaks my heart. And I think, how in the world will I be able to go to heaven and not have some of my loved ones there? How will I be able to enjoy heaven? Won't I be mourning? Won't I be crying? Won't I be upset that they're not there? How can that be perfect rest? And I asked somebody what was smarter than me. His name is Roger. And I said, Roger, how, how is that possible? And he sent me a verse from Isaiah 65, 17. It says, see, I will create new heavens and a new earth. The former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. You know, when we get to heaven, we're not given in marriage as we are today. Josh and Jen, you're not going to be husband and wife when you get there. Oh, no. We'll be individuals and we'll be changed, we'll be transformed and made new. Old things will have passed away and all will become new. Heaven is not only a real place, heaven is not only the right place, but it's a relational place. I'm going to give you three verses, and I want you to pay attention to the details of what's there and what it's pointing to and what, what, it, what it symbolizes. It says, 1 Thessalonians 4, 17 through 18, After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. It's talking about the rapture. Those that are asleep in Christ will rise again with us. Revelation 21.3 And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying Now the dwelling of God is with men And he will live with them They will be his people And God himself will be with them And be their God Revelation 22.2 On each side of the river stood the tree of life Bearing twelve crops of fruit Yielding its fruit every month And the leaves of the trees are for the healing of the nations What is he talking about? What are these verses pointing to? They're pointing to the greatest family reunion you've ever experienced that's exactly what they're pointing to. Those that are asleep in Christ will rise again in the rapture and meet Jesus in the air and he'll take us to heaven. All of our lost loved ones and friends and believers who have gone before us will meet us there. This is what we call the blessed hope. When I do funerals, I share this because when you lose somebody, there is hope for you to be able to see them again. And we have this hope. But not only do we have that, God himself will be among us in a tangible way, in the same way that he was with Adam and Eve when he walked in the garden. I don't know if you can fathom that, if you can understand that. I feel like in our broken experience, the only people that really know what that was like are Adam and Eve. We have no idea what's that, what that's like. We, we can experience the presence of God. We can feel it sometimes. We, can, we, we call it thick. The atmosphere is thick with the presence of God. We can describe it that way. But do we really understand what it would be like to live and walk with God? And so God is talking about taking that, that garden experience and in heaven... That's what we're going to have. The tree of life will be there. Everything that Adam and Eve had, we are going to come full circle. And that's what God is going to create in heaven. Heaven is also a rewarding place. Revelation twenty two twelve says, Behold, I am coming soon. My reward is with me. I will give to everyone according to what he's done. 
Jesus goes back, and he says that in Revelation, but he also says it in Matthew. The Son of Man will reward each person according to what he has done. So what are you doing to earn a reward in heaven? Have you set your mind on what you're going to do there? What's your reward? Well, we get a crown, we get jewels in our crown. What are those representative of? The lives that we have brought to Christ, right? Every life that we bring to Christ, we get a jewel in our crown. Those crowns are eventually to be cast at the feet of Jesus because he is Lord and we are not. But our reward is not only heaven, but there's more to come. And that's even a greater mystery that we can't even fully understand yet. We don't have full details on it. What will we experience in heaven? Oh, you're going to love these. Perfect transformation. Look, when you came to Christ, there's this thing called sanctification. It's, it's a cleansing. It's a setting apart. It's saying, hey, the old is gone. You're sanctified. We say, Jesus is Lord. You have that immediate experience of the relief of the burden of your sins washed away. But how many of you know from that moment that you prayed that prayer, you were not perfect? I know I'm not. I know that I still sin, and I know that I have to ask God to forgive me. And I know that he works on me, and that he challenges me to, to be his hands and feet all the time. And I fail at that. And sometimes I fail at the simplest things. But I'm in a process of sanctification. So I was sanctified once, cleansed. I'm in the process of being cleansed. But when we get to heaven, we will have perfect transformation. A final sanctification. No need for any more. Because when we're there, no sin exists. Perfect comfort. I don't know how many of you guys enjoy comfort, but I love comfort. I love laying down on my Serta and just stretching out. And that is nice comfort, especially if you are in discomfort. If you are in constant discomfort, if you've got an issue with your knee, or like me, I suffer from back issues. That's why I stand and sit all the time. I'm in discomfort. I love comfort. I enjoy that. But, but when I go to stand back up, or I go to walk, or if I stand in one place, I experience discomfort again. That's not perfect comfort because it doesn't last. It's temporary, right? But in heaven, we'll have perfect comfort. Thomas More said that their earth has no sorrow that heaven cannot heal. The other thing we'll get, we'll get to experience in heaven is perfect rejoicing, gladness, and joy. Look, heaven's not going to be a quiet place. You ever been to a family reunion before? It is not quiet. There is somebody that breaks out a guitar, and somebody is going to start singing horribly, and the family, everybody's going to join in, or there's all these greetings. Hey, what's going on? And then you go, of course, you've got the, the, the things that are not so great, which is the family feuds, and there's fighting and bickering. Like, you know, look, there's not going to be any of that in heaven. There's going to be perfect rejoicing, perfect gladness, perfect joy, one that won't be tainted or taken or removed from you by any enemy, by any doubts, by any fears, by any pain. Nothing can take that away from you. Perfect fellowship and feasting will also be in heaven. Look, I enjoy a good meal. I do. There is something spiritual about sitting down and eating with somebody. I can't, underst- I can't understand it. I can't explain it to you, but it is fantastic. But you all know when you sit down with your family sometimes and you start bicker and you walk away and you're like, Dude, that was a horrible meal. But there's those there's meals where you can sit down with a friend or maybe you get to get away with your wife and you, you come away from that time just re-energized and renewed, right? And that's you're like, man, what a perfect evening. But then you go home and then the next meal's not perfect. Look, in heaven, perfect fellowship and perfect feasting. No fighting, no arguing, no bickering. Perfect rest. I don't know about you, sometimes I don't sleep well at night. Anybody else out there? Don't You don't sleep well at night. Perfect rest. Rest where you'll get up and you'll be rejuvenated. Perfect satisfaction. Perfect victory. Look, I, I don't know I don't know what you battle over. I have no idea if you have an addiction or if you have a, 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 a 
a type of sin that you battle with, maybe it's lying or stealing or gossip or whatever that may be that you struggle with, and you get victory over it for a while and then you kind of slip back into your old ways, whatever that may be that you struggle with, look, when you get to heaven, there'll be no more struggle. You have perfect victory. You will no longer be associated with being an addict, no longer be associated with being somebody that struggles with sin. You will have perfect victory. The absence of all things undesirable is what we will experience there. Nothing evil, nothing of sorrow. No wickedness, no ungodliness, no sin. A place without crime, without corruption. Can you imagine such a place? Without pain, sorrows, and tears. No sirens, no deadbolts, no alarm systems, no barbed wire, no hospitals, cemeteries, or prisons, no plagues, no funerals. No one will be hungry or homeless. No earthquakes, no tornadoes, hurricanes, floods, or raging fires. No hateful words, misunderstandings, no slander or gossip. No envy, jealousy, or grudges, or suspicions will be there. No strife, no broken hearts. No one will suffer from physical maladies, emotional disturbances, chemical imbalances, addictions, or handicaps of any kind. No weariness, worry, Fear. Some of you are plagued by fear and anxiety in such incredible ways. How would you like to be free of that? Is that not something to look forward to? No more cancers, AIDS, tumors, or diseases. So what do we do, Aaron? You're talking about a place that we're not at. We're here right now. We're here on this earth. What do we do? Well, until then, there's, there's several things you can do. And here's my challenge to you. Titus 2.13 says, While we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Look, here's what you get to do. You get to refocus your energies. Look, I mentioned it before, but we're so busy about working overtime and finding a better job or getting a new car or getting the, the latest thing, accumulating for ourselves that we're not storing up any treasure in heaven. And In Matthew, it says, Do not store up treasure for yourselves on earth where moth and rust destroy these are natural things or where thieves break in and steal in other words what you're working for right now it's gone in a minute natural causes pestilence somebody can just take it from you that new iPhone that you like so much it could go in a second but it says store up for yourselves treasure in heaven look we have to shift our focus from these earthly things. What's a heavenly treasure? Well, what does God treasure the most? People. For God so loved the world that he gave. It's not hard to know what God values. We have to focus on people. On, on, on how do we, and, and what do you mean, focus on people? Well, look, in Jude 1, it says, Be merciful to those who doubt. Snatch others from the fire and save them. To others, show mercy. Look, we are to be out there rescuing people. Rescuing them from the hell that they're experiencing on earth and rescuing them from the hell that they'll experience in the afterlife so that they too can experience heaven. Look, it's as simple as learning somebody's name. It's as simple as learning their name, learning their story. And then as you engage, in, engage them, it's simple that they learn your story and that you're on a walk with Jesus and that you want them to come along. It's that easy. You don't have to preach at them. You don't need to tell them they're going to hell. That's not love. Don't hit them over the head. 
we need to focus on people. We need to reach them. The last thing that you can do while you wait is renew your relationship with God. Second Peter, he says, but in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth, the home of righteousness. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. What does that mean? While you're waiting on heaven, make every effort to be clean before God. Make every effort to be at peace with him. What does that mean? The scriptures tell us what that means. Repent. Repent of your sins. Humble yourself and say, Lord, I got pride in my life. Or I'm sinning against my family. Or I'm sinning against my spouse or against myself. Or against others in this way. And I need you to forgive me. Help me. Change me. Change my heart. Are you willing to pray those kind of prayers? Are you willing to say, Lord, I need you. More and more. And this is not just something you pray once. This is renewing that relationship with him daily. The way you begin a relationship with Christ is, Jesus, be Lord of my life. And you need to pray that prayer every day. Be Lord of this situation. Be Lord of this situation at work. Be Lord of this situation in my family. Be Lord of this situation in my finances. Be Lord of all. So you can renew that relationship every single day. So refocus your energies. Reach people and renew your relationship with God while you're waiting. You know, the most important issue you will ever face in this life is where you will spend eternity. Period. And I know it's hard with the day-to-day grind to focus on heaven, but to keep it there, keep it as your focus, keep it as your goal. You know, I pulled my Facebook friends and I asked, I said, uh, I said, do you believe there's a heaven? And and if you do believe there's a heaven, do you believe you're going to go there? And I gave people the option. I I did like a little form, a little survey. And and a lot of people answered and they said, they said, yeah, I believe in heaven. The majority of people said they did. Some said they didn't. The majority of them said they did. And then then they said, yeah, I think I'm going there. And it was all confidential. So I have no idea who said what. But let me tell you something. God wants everybody to go to heaven. He wants everybody to be saved. Why do I know this? In Timothy, it says, God wants all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. But the truth is, is that Jesus is the only way. It's not Muhammad. It's not Gandhi. It's not Buddha. It's not your transcendentalism, whatever, mysticism stuff. It is not. It was hard for me to say, man. It was. It's not any of these things. It is Jesus. God wants you to be saved. And he has provided the way of escape from the flames of hell. And that is through Jesus. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And salvation, folks, we have no other name given to us whereby salvation is given for men. No other name except Jesus. And so God invites you to receive this salvation. He says, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. So you're asking me, Aaron, how do I do this? It's simple. Romans 10, 9 through 10 says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it's with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it's with your mouth that you confess and are saved. You know, choosing heaven means you choose to be a disciple of Jesus. Such a relationship brings a foretaste of heaven in this life and eternity of happiness. 
And you can make that decision today if you haven't done so already. Let's pray. Father, I pray for every heart in this room. Lord, for those that are sure, maybe even for those that are unsure, Lord, I, I pray for every heart that today they can make a decision that says, I am sure that I'm going to heaven because without Jesus, without declaring him as Lord of our lives, Father, we understand from your word that there is no way that we would experience heaven when we pass from this earth. And Lord, we understand that you love us, that you've provided an escape, that you want us to be there with you, to enjoy all the splendor and the glory of heaven. And so I pray right now for every heart in this room, if they are unsure that they know today can be a day of salvation, today can be a day that they can accept Christ. If that's you and you're under the sound of my voice and you want to accept Jesus as Lord, to say, Jesus, be Lord of my life, Lord of all, and not only to be forgiven of your sins, but to be welcomed into a spiritual family and enjoy eternity in heaven. If that's you in this place and you're not sure of your final resting place and you want to, every head bowed and every eye closed, nobody's looking around. I'm not here to embarrass you, but I'm going to count to three if you shoot your hand up. I'll pray for you. One, two, three. Appreciate your honesty in this room. I do. Let's pray. Let's all pray together out loud so your own ears can hear it. And whether you raised your hand or not, you can pray this prayer. You say, well, Aaron, I don't really believe it. That's okay. You can pray it for the day that you do. You practice. Pray, Jesus, I believe that you're the Son of God. I believe that you died and rose for me. Cleanse me of my sins. Show me how to live for you. And I'll spend every day doing just that. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.